Now, as we uh, continue this morning, I have a special uh, treat for you. You'll see this woman coming on stage. Amen, amen. A, uh, a magnificent mother herself. Um, and we're in a series called Timeless. And really the premise of the whole series is that there are a lot of things that um, in the modern day in which we're living as parents get going or marriages get going or all these other things uh, that take place that we often find ourselves going to the latest, greatest. We go to Dr. Google or we go to whoever to seek the answer. Uh, we plug in things like, hey, you know, how do we become a better, a better parent or uh, ways to get your kid to go to bed or, or things that are more practical or tactical in nature, but we ignore sometimes the timeless truths of the Word of God as we parent our children. Uh, and so we wanted to take time to look at the different aspects of family, whether it's marriage or uh, singleness or um, parenting or what it means to be a child, a good child to your parent, uh, and to be able to um, look at all of these things through the, the timeless principles that are there in the Word of God and use those to guide us and form the foundation for um, for what we're doing. And so this morning, I brought a special guest with me. This is my wife, Emily, here. Uh, I know many of you, many of you know her uh, and love her, as I do, but um, I'm biased and I get to live with her. So I view that as one of the great privileges in my life. We have three kids, if you haven't met them, they're actually over here. Wave that's Anna, Olivia, and Nora. Uh, Nora is the little, little dude in the middle. She's nine. Anna's 16 on the left, and Olivia is... Uh, She's 14 on the right. Um, so, <laughs> parenting lesson number one. The parenting lesson number one. Hey, just be glad I got their names today. That's good. That's a, one giant step forward. Uh, but we're going to give you this this morning as we're gathered together, and and you young parents with the babies or whomever, uh, we're going to take four principles, timeless principles that are taught in the Word of God, uh, and present them to you as some foundational things as we go forth. Now, if you're not, if you don't have kids or your kids are grown. Uh, maybe you can look back and go, hey, amen, or hey, maybe I wish I'd done that differently, or hey, you know what, I actually feel like I'm doing okay there, or I can, I can take it to the next level, or whatever that, that uh, wherever you're at. Or maybe, uh, you know, you're, you're still single, or you're still whatever, and you're, you're going, okay, I'm, I might be a parent someday, so I'm going to pay attention. Or maybe it'll give you some things that you can impart to those around you uh, that might could use a little bit of help and words of blessing uh, from the Word of God. So, I'm yielding the floor for principle number one to Dr. Emily, well, just the great Not one, really. Emily Spivey. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, first of all, um, weren't those babies just the cutest thing you've ever seen? <laughs> oh, my word. And I, I know that, um, that you moms out there feel this, but um, in, I was looking at those little sweet bundles of joy and thinking about how it seems like it was just yesterday that my girls were that size. And, um, and yet, it, it also seems like a lifetime ago. And um, I have lots of good memories, and I have lots of um, memories of being really tired um, at that season. And so, um, just... I'm glad, th I'm glad we're past that now. Yeah. Yeah, we're never tired anymore. Yeah, so. no. Yeah. Teenagers don't wear you out at all. It is different. It's a different kind of tired now. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the first thing I want to say is just that we're up here today not because we are perfect parents. Amen. Okay? Um, and I know you guys know that because you know us. <laughs> um, so, you know, whatever we say today, uh, we are trying to share biblical truths, these timeless truths about parenting, um, some of which we've um, had moments where we've done well at and other times that, you know, we've 
failed like we all do and had to rely on the grace of God, okay? So, um, so just know that, um, that our intention today is not to lift ourselves up, but to lift up God's word um, and the timeless truths that are found there, okay? So um, first principle is parent on mission always. What do I mean by that? Um, as Christ-following parents, um, we are given this amazing assignment. Um, and I call it an assignment because it's not your identity. It's not, um, it's not your identity. It's not where you find your identity. I'm not a parent first and foremost. But it's an assignment. God entrusts his kids to me for a season of time where I am um, given the great honor and the great blessing of getting to shape them and mold them and try to, to the best of my ability, raise them up in the Lord, okay? And, um, and so it's a mission. It's a calling. And that can be daunting. And especially in today's world, I think it can, um, it can be intimidating to many of us. We can feel, we can doubt ourselves um, and our abilities as parents. And so um, I really, the verse that jumped out at me um, when I think about what does it really take um, when you are a parent and you're trying to stay on mission, you're trying to take this assignment seriously. And um, the scripture that came to mind is 2 Timothy. Um, comes from 2 Timothy 1, 5 through 7. Um, and this is where Paul is instructing Timothy. And we know the end of this verse really well, right? Um, but I want to begin at the beginning, um, if I can read it, because I didn't write it down on here. He says, I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. This is why I remember... I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Okay? So, first of all, um, I just think, you know, we, we always go to that, that end of, the, of that section, but where did Timothy learn this genuine faith that Paul sees in him? Where did he first learn it? He learned it from his grandmother and his mother. He learned it in his home. And that's, that's the mission we have. Um, our children, if we want their faith to be genuine, they've got to see it in us first. And it's powerful and it's real. But we have to have the spirit in us of power, love, and self-discipline. Um, some, ver some versions say self-control. Some say sound, sound mind. mind. Yeah. yeah. But um, I want to I first begin with power, okay? Because um, I think um, we often feel like we don't feel empowered as parents. And I want to encourage you um, that you have the spirit of Christ in you. And he has put you in a position of authority in your home and a position of power, spiritual power. And you can feel confident in that, especially if you're a new parent, if you're a parent of teenagers, and you feel like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm not sure I can do this. That God's spirit can give you the power you need to be confident and to be the authority in your home um, that he's um, entrusted you with. Okay? We, we shape our kids um, and discipline our kids in the same way that God does with us. Um, I think sometimes 
we think that children are just born and they're going to just sort of, I don't know, naturally just kind of become who they're supposed to be. And that's not really the picture the Bible gives us, and it's certainly not how God deals with us. We are given the role of parents to shape our children in the same way that God shapes us. Um, when, it, when the scriptures talk about God disciplining us, uh, he, it's for our holiness. He's trying to make us more like Christ. And so we, in turn, parent uh, in the same way God parents us. We shape and mold and train our children through loving discipline to become more like and I would just say, even as a church, we bring that forward into how yeah. we do children's ministry and things like that. When you bring your kid to NBC, um, we're not here to take over as the surrogate parents of your kids. We're here to, we're, we'll coach you, uh, we will empower you, but, you know, our view is that God picked you, he called you, and empowered you to be a parent to that child. So we're here to help you mm-hmm. become what God has created you to be and called you to be, not to necessarily take your place and, and so that this becomes another drop-off kind of scenario where, hey, I show up and I drop my kid off and then mm-hmm. I go do my own thing and then I pick them up and I hope they had a good time. I mean, we do hope they have a good time. We have an awesome children's ministry, but we're going we're gonna to help you um, as a parent. We're going to help you grow spiritually so that you can be faithful to the calling that she's talking about because God has. He, he picked you. And so you might shrug your shoulders and go, I don't know why he picked me, but, but, but he did nonetheless. And that doesn't mean you'll be perfect. Uh, but the Holy Spirit of God is, is alive and, and working in you. So even as a, as a church, our philosophy of it, every, the way we do student ministry, the way we do children's ministry, is to say, hey, we want to help you mm-hmm. catch fire and, and grow in the strength and the power of God so that Amen. you can do it with, with uh, a feeling of courage and, and, and do it boldly the way that God would want you to do. So. Yeah, and I think the, the idea of discipline has kind of fallen on hard times, you know, in today's world. Um, and you hear a lot more about, um, you know, oh, why you shouldn't discipline your kids um, rather than um, a whole lot of really godly counsel on the idea of training up a child, of disciplining a child. Um, we, we even hear the word discipline and we think about punishment rather than shaping them, molding them, making them into disciples, right, which is what discipline is. Um, and so I think the second part of that, that verse in Timothy is what the key is, is that it's done out of love and self-control, self-discipline. When you are disciplining your kids, when you're training them and shaping them out of love, out of the love of Christ and out of our obedience for Christ, um, then that's something that blesses them and brings joy into your home, okay, and brings joy into your life and into the life of your kids. And, um, well, and if you read the book of Proverbs, it'll say on several occasions, basically, that a disobedient kid, uh, you know, wears their parents out. And it's not a blessing to their kids, which, that, right? which, which is the most that. amenable verse in all of the Bible, <laughs> probably. But, um, but people think that often it just leads to, um, oh, your kid, my kid's going to hate me or, hey, my kid's going to uh, turn out to be warped or something like that. But the Bible says the Lord loves the one he disciplines. Mm-hmm. That's how you know you're his kid. So, and God is the role model for how you parent your kids. Um, it would be worth asking, how can you love your kids and not discipline them? That's really more of, of how the Bible sees that, that kind of thing. Whereas, I, but I, I get it. But, but that's part of the reason why we're doing this kind of a series is because you are taught, oh, if you love your kids, you don't discipline them um, in the current day we're living in. But, mm-hmm. but the Bible sees it completely the reverse of that. Um, 
at the same time. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to read a Proverbs 29:15 um, is a great one. I do have it on here. So there you I don't go. Have to peer around. <laughs> See, I'm not used to doing this, you guys. He's the one that does this all the time. Okay. And um, it says, "Discipline your children, and they will give you peace of mind, and will make your heart glad." Um, people, you know, I hear people talk all the time about, "Oh, teenagers. Oh, don't you? Isn't it hard having teenagers?" And, you know, I can honestly say that, um, yeah, I mean, definitely moments, right? My children are not perfect. Um, shocker. But, but I, I love having teenagers. I enjoy my kids. Um, they're, they bring joy to my heart. Um, and Lord willing, they always will. That's, it's not a guarantee. It's not an A plus B equals C, okay? And there are a lot of good parents I mean, we'll talk about this a little bit later, but there are a lot of good parents that do the best they can and, um, and have issues with kids, and that's, okay, so what I'm not saying is that if you do all the right things, then your kids are going to turn out perfectly. Yeah, okay? you remember, by the way, excuse me just one second, um, remember the, the story of the prodigal son, right? Remember who the dad is? It's God, right? Uh, and then you look at other people in, in Scripture, um, you know, you look at um, all Joseph and all of his brothers, and you go, okay, does, uh, does dad get credit for Joseph, or does he get a minus out of the parenting account and the way people view him before uh, Reuben? Uh, does he get a, a green light and a thumbs up because Benjamin was his kid, or does he get a debit uh, from his credibility because out of, out of the 12 sons, uh, you know, more than half of them were kind of knuckleheads. Uh, but he had some good ones, so which, which one do you give him the credit for? How about David? Does he... You go Absalom or Solomon? Yeah. Which one do you give him credit for or yeah. not? And, and it's, it's a, what she's saying is really important. We'll talk about this when we do parenting part two. We're going to talk about kids that, that maybe really fall on hard times or go off the rails or off the, uh, leave the father's house, so to speak. How do, you, how do you deal with that and how do you wrestle with that? But just for now, I hope you let that sink in um, because it isn't mathematical. It's not something that you just go, oh, the, my kids are not plug and play. This doesn't work <laughs> like that. No, no not at all. Um, but I do think that, um, that that's one of the keys is that we're, we're parenting not out of our own fears, our own insecurities. Um, we don't discipline and shape and teach our kids because we, we want to look good, you know? And I think the reality, if we're really honest with ourselves sometimes, it's we don't want our kids to embarrass us. We want others to think we're a good parent. And so that's what's driving um, some of the things we do and say and the ways we react to our kids uh, rather than this mission, right, that God has given us, where we're doing it out of obedience to the Lord, out of this calling he's giving us, and we're relying on his spirit to give us the courage, the power, the confidence, and the authority, as well as the love and the self-control uh, to, to parent in a godly way. Okay, so... Um, Tim, number two. Yes, Emily. Yes. Okay. Number two. That's my smooth transition. <laughs> okay, uh, number two. We're raising adults, not kids. That's right. Um, so we often say, oh, yeah, you know, tell me how you raised your kids. Well, my hope is that our kids uh, are, you know, I'm raising them to be an adult, not a kid. Genesis 2, Adam and Eve. And uh, the Bible says, we have it on the, on the screen here, but Bible, uh, the Bible talks about Adam and Eve coming together and how they leave their mom and dad 
and they come together. It, that the point, eventually, there is a, a planned exit strategy in the mind of God for your kid from your home. And that's not for them to always be dependent upon you. It's for them to eventually get to a point where they can leave your home and honor God in their marriage or with, in, in their parent way that they parent their own children. And um, let me give you something that I heard uh, recently, and I kind of, it's one of those I did a double take, and I like kind of sat down with a pencil and, and, you know, did the math to see if it actually worked out, but it does. When my daughter Anna leaves, graduates high school, okay, I will have spent, get this, 93% of all the time I will ever spend with her in her life. Think about that. I only got 7% left of all the time that I'm going to have, and that assumes a normal life expectancy for me, uh, and that, you know, that we have a fairly normal uh, parent-kid relationship. Now, if you're trying to raise an adult and not a kid, what you have to realize is that they, you gotta be, they have to be well-prepared, if I'm doing my job as a parent, as well-prepared as they can by the time that she leaves high school. So we got two years, babe, to, to, to do that. No pressure. Yeah, no, but, it, but it's, that's part of why when you're here at church, you hear us say this all the time, folks. Um, and, and we do target um, particular messages, um, you know, for instance, about the tyranny of, you know, youth sports culture and, and uh, extracurricular activities and ways that um, you take that 93% and you kind of move it to 98% by the fact that you don't see them a whole lot when they are before they graduate high school. Uh, and that the things that you're participating, you're doing an awful lot of watching them on a stage or watching them on a field instead of actually investing in their, their spiritual growth and their maturity. Um, so, you know, something I might just suggest for you to act, you know, if you're a younger parent and you are interested in this sort of thing. And, and let me just say, too, if, if your kids are grown already and you go, boy, you know, I, I wish I could do it differently, but I can't, and now my opportunity's blown, that's not really what we're saying. You can take, just start today, and take whatever time you've got left with your kid and, and do the best that you can in, in, that, in that whatever time you've got left. But if I know that I've got 93% of my time with my kid, a self-serving parent will say, that's why I want to take all the vacations we can and spend as much time together as humanly possible. No, that's you being selfish and wanting to hog your kid like a stuffed animal. There's a, there, what your job is as a, as a parent is to make sure that when she graduates, my, my daughter graduates high school, I want to make sure that, that her spiritual root system is well entrenched, uh, that the spiritual root system is, is deep, uh, that, that the access to water for those roots is there, uh, and that I have done absolutely everything in my power uh, to make sure that she, by, through role modeling with, with them and the way that we parent our kids, that Jesus comes first in every aspect of life. There is no aspect where, where that doesn't, that is not true. That's true in every aspect of our lives. And, and then role modeling that. And, and then taking the opportunity to invest serious time in saying, and look, our kids are very involved, and, and they, you know, they're leads in plays, and they do all sorts of stuff. I was a, you know, an athlete in my day. You know it, wouldn't know it now, but I was pretty good back in the day, and I played every daggum team you can think of. Um, but there was never a doubt in my mind as to what the, the pecking order of the, the house was, and that came in really handy. Then when I became a parent, I, I just, my, my parents and M's parents were the same way. You know, God comes first, and we'll figure out as we go, we're going to discern 
okay, what would God want us to do here? And we have prioritized, and this is just us, and, um, but I do think it holds up under the scrutiny of the Bible, um, that we think we can get more uh, out of that 93% by serving with our kids, serving alongside our kids rather than watching our kids. Does that make sense? Um, so that doesn't mean our kids aren't doing anything. Like, as soon as this is over, I got a kid playing Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz, and we're off to Valley Center. But, but there's a difference because we're not going to Valley Center until this is over. Um, so so, so there, there are pieces where, and I, I, again, I know this is tough. It's not easy. Uh, and every family's got to kind of work this out. But the principle, I'm raising an adult here, not a kid. And if you don't see that, that trajectory, that, that movement up, um, uh, you know, and that's why discipline matters. You're raising an adult, not a kid. Right. So you don't want a kid that, that is still, you know, they don't, still don't know how to eat at, at eight years old, right? You would look at that and go, they haven't done their job. Spiritually, it's very similar. Uh, we want to make sure that, that our kids are getting um, the biblical instruction they need, that they're learning how to be a good friend to other people, that they're learning how to serve others, and they're learning to put God first in, in every aspect of life. Um, parenting is really not as confusing as it is, like when we were young parents, it was super confusing. Okay, what am I supposed to do? And, but it's not as confusing if you can get that holy hierarchy that we talked about a couple of weeks ago when we were outside, you know, of, of God coming first, the marriage coming second, and the kids coming third. And that really kind of being the, the pecking order of how these things take place. And it's not easy to keep those in line. Um, but if you're committed to it and if you're well anchored in the word, then, then if you get too far away from that and the values start shifting on you, you, God will bring you back home, and you'll, you'll figure out how to, how to do those things. You got anything else yeah, to add to that, Yeah, I just think, you know, and we all get out of whack. You know, we all get out of balance, and we all have to kind of readjust every now and then. So, again, it's not, oh, you know, feel guilty now because, you know, we don't have everything in the right order all the time. We all get out of order, right? God, um, God, I, sometimes I think God raises God, um, these children of ours in spite of us, you know, um, and we have to ask for his grace all the time, okay? Um, but it's just, I think as a team, as parents, or if you're a single parent, it's kind of self-assessing and um, checking in with yourself every now and then and, and really paying attention to the fruit that you're seeing in your family and in your kids' lives. And if you're not seeing the fruit of God, um, of Christ-likeness happening, then it's, it's really being um, responding actively to that and thinking, what, what do we need to change and how we're doing things? How do we need to adjust um, to really recenter our home on, um, on Christ? Yeah. Back to you, Emily. Okay. So, <laughs> so the third principle is this, make the shift. God's in control. So what I mean by make the shift is this. Um, I think... Uh, I talked about discipline earlier. Um, I think discipline is really important in the first half of your kid's life. So think like zero to 10, maybe 11 or 12, depending on the kid. But having really clear rules, having really um, consistent, clear um, discipline in your home is important. Um, but then there's the shift that happens. And a lot of you in this room have older kids or young adults as kids. And there's this shift that happens. And I think sometimes as a parent, um, I know as a mom, it's hard to make that shift. 
so, um, but I think it's important that rules aren't the goal. Discipline isn't the goal. They're the foundation for a joyful relationship as your child grows. Um, so you want to teach them when they're young to honor their parents, to honor God. Um, you know, as a parent, you're sort of the first um, image that they have of God. Does that make sense? Um, your authority in the home is the first experience that they have. And those of you that maybe didn't have a great childhood or didn't have great parents, you know how hard it is to think of God as a father if your father was not a good person, a good man, a good father, right? It's harder. So think of the blessing. It's such a blessing when, as a parent, you can give your child that foundational uh, picture of who God is, of who godly, um, what godly authority looks like, of how to obey a God who is loving and who wants the best for you, right? Um, that's what we're doing when our kids are little. And we're putting those boundaries in place so that they can feel secure and so that they have a life of joy and blessing and that they provide you with blessing and your home with blessing as well. So, but for different reasons, like I said, as they grow, sometimes, um, you know, like I said, we have teenagers and um, I remember when Anna was kind of hitting 12, 13 and she's starting to, you know, exercise all that, that independence that we love so much in our teenagers. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to make the shift as a mom from, hey, just do what I say right now because I'm the mom to, uh, okay, I've got to do something a little bit different now. What does that look like? And to your point, Tim, how do I, how do I make the shift into starting to allow her to become an adult, a Christian adult, um, but still remain her mom? So I want to give you four keys to making the shift, okay, and trusting in the Lord as you do so. Okay, the first is stop spoon feeding, okay? And what I mean by that, right, is, you know, when babies, we do a little, right, and we, and we feed them their food. Um, I think a lot of times when our kids are young, we, we tell them what the answer is, don't we? We say, this is the right thing to do. Um, when they have a decision to make or there's a choice in life, we, we give it to them because we are the parent and we know what the, what the godly choice is. Um, and we might explain why, but, but a lot of times it's just, no, you're going to do this because I'm the parent and I, I know um, what, what God would want in this situation for you. And they have to trust that and obey it because they're the child and it's pretty clear and plain and simple. But when you've got a 14, 15 year old, it, it's not that plain and simple, is it? Um, and so stop spoon feeding means rather than giving them all the answers, start teaching them how to find the answers from God themselves okay and it's hard because um, it's a lot easier and quicker to just give them the answer say do this because I said so right but the reality is is they've got to learn how to start making those decisions on their own and if you don't start releasing and allowing them to practice that um, then um, and helping guide them and point them in the right direction toward God's word toward prayer um, then they're going to launch out into the world, and they're not going to know how to do that for themselves, okay? So, um, so s starting to do that, um, uh, we, I'll, I'll tell a little story where, and I won't get into the specifics, but, um, you know, Anne and I have been having conversations about a big decision she's got going on in her life right now. Well, it would be a lot easier for me to just be like, okay, this is what I think. This is the rule in our house. 
boom, that's the end of it, okay? And I don't know, there might be a point where, where I do that. But I, I think um, what, what I'm trying to do right now as a mom with Anna um, is help her start to think through, you know, based on what you know of God and your relationship with God, what, why is this important? What's the right thing to do? What would God want me to do? Um, go to his word. What does God's word say about this? Go to him in prayer and ask for him to guide you. Because I'm only, I only have you in my home for two more years. I'm not going to be here to guide you um, forever. But God will always be with you and will be that resource for you. We're so, like 80% right now with her. I know. Stop. Here. Stop growing. Okay. She's like, yes. <laughs> she can't wait. Okay, so stop spoon feeding. And then with that, allow them to fail. Okay? Um, I think, and fail early um, and, um, and, and quickly, right? So, I mean, we, I think um, what this means is when they're young, um, when, the, when the mistakes are small still and not, don't, aren't life-altering, we've got to start allowing our kids to, to mess up and stop, and stop rescuing them, right, from the consequences of some of the poor decisions and then allowing them to learn from it. That's what leads to wisdom and maturity. Um, and if we, if we rescue and rescue and rescue, then when, when they get older, the, the consequences are a lot harder to deal with um, and have greater implications. So allowing them to fail. Three, be consistent and authentic, not perfect. Um, so you can't fool teenagers, right? Kids, you can't, they see you. They know if you're being consistent or not, if you're being authentic or not. So allowing them to see that you are growing in your faith too, you don't have to have all the answers. I know some parents that didn't grow up in a Christian home, um, you know, you, you may feel like, oh, my child has this deep, you know, spiritual question, and I don't know, like, I don't know the right answer to give them. That's okay. You can tell your kids, you know, I don't know, let's search it together, let's search it out, let's, yes. you know, let them see you authentically growing in your relationship, seeking God. Um, and be real with them about your own faith um, and maybe even some of your struggles and how you are um, relying on God's grace in your own life as well. Okay, and then finally, uh, let them launch, but remain their safe harbor. Okay, um, so I love that John 10 talks about Jesus as the good shepherd, that he knows his sheep and they know his voice. And I'm telling you, if you have... Raise your children in a home where they know Jesus. Um, he knows your child. Even if they go out into the far country, even if they've launched out into the world and they're out of your sight and out of your control, okay, you can trust that he is their good shepherd. And he has his eye on them. And he is seeking them every minute of every day. Okay? And, um, and that they, they will recognize his voice when he calls them. Okay? But you're always there for them to come home to, right? You're always going to be there and be that safe harbor for them when they need you. Um, and that's really important as well. But we have to let go. I think sometimes we want to hold them, right, forever. And you can't do that. Um, that doesn't help them become the adults um, that we talked about. Number four, lead the way. Now, that sounds super easy. Um, and it doesn't mean that you're, you're always going to be able to... Um, you know, that you're perfect or whatever, it kind of piggybacks on what you just said about being authentic and, and being real 
with your kids. I think that's important. Meaning if you're upset, it's okay to say that something upset you. Uh, if if uh, we've started, one of the small things we did was, um, like we used to say, if, if we need to talk about something serious, we'd ask them to leave the room. And now we've kind of just started having some of those conversations with them in the room uh, and letting them overhear what it's like when we're talking about something going on at church or we're talking about something going on uh, with our, um, you know, my parents or her parents or, or with one of her sisters or whatever it is, letting them sit there and watch it uh, and, and, and see how Christian people actually work through a problem like that, how they talk about those things. Um, but also instead of us always trying to feel like we've got to be smiley and um, it, like, like, like we're not, we're mannequins or something rather than people, um, doesn't prepare them for when they feel angry or they feel upset. They don't think you can be a Christian and be angry ever. Um, you know, you can be angry and not sin. You can, be, you can be angry and sin and then repent of it and receive the forgiveness of God and move on. That's part of being a Christian. So all those things, um, when it comes to leading the way, what I mean is having a very strong understanding that the biggest single spiritual step that you, your, the biggest step in your children's spiritual development is actually probably a big step in your own spiritual development. That your leadership in the home is going to have more to do your own walk with Christ will have more to do with how healthy their walk with Christ is than anything else. So we often kind of like, oh, no, that's what the church is for. No, 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 no. Because if you're here, you're going to hear us encourage you to put God first in every aspect of your life. Uh, like I said, this is, we're not a daycare facility. Uh, we, we're about pastoring people, and, and that includes kids from the, the little dudes and dudettes that you saw up here. All the way up to the oldest among us, we never stop trying to grow in Christ. Um, and when you think about going back to the first kind of thing, you know, God's called us to this. It's a sacred calling, what God's given us to, to be parents, and he's called me to lead this. So that means that my spiritual health matters a lot to my family. Uh, and so if I'm not growing in Christ, if I'm going backward, the odds are um, I'm kind of, I've turned into the tide that's, that's pulling the opposite direction of where I want my kids to be going. And the idea of staying healthy for the sake of others isn't one that necessarily occurs to us right off the bat. Um, but leading the way, I want my kids to know their dad's not perfect. But when I, when I go to them and I say, hey, you know, don't, um, you know, that's a, you know, God would want you to make this decision. I don't want them in general to be able to come back and say, well, you never do it. Well, hey, when you go away to college, make sure you find a, a good church and go every week. Well, when are you and mom going to start going to church? Uh, you got to lead the way. Um, many parents, uh, I, I mentioned this in the, in the sermon two weeks ago, you know, uh, one of those shifts. When I was a kid, if I was sick on a Sunday, I knew what that meant. I, there would be no staying home. That was not an option. I would get to go and lay on a bench in the lobby of the church. That's, that's what it meant. So if I was sick, it was, it was not, I, there just was no option to stay home. Because if I stayed home, somebody had to be there with me. And mom and dad weren't going to stay home. So they just took me to church, laid me in the lobby. And I just laid there with a blanket over me for two hours. Uh, and, uh, and, and the idea that, you know, say you got a family of like six. And one person is six, so the whole family stays home. Is a good indicator of kind of the way that that culture has shifted. Uh, when you th and think about this, if I can get a little bit real with my fellow parents here. Let's say that you got one sick person in your family, uh, and, but, but Sally has a ball game that day. Did the whole family stay home? Did she miss her game because her sibling 
the sick? Nope. Now, we move heaven and earth to make sure that Sally's still got to go there because she might be batting third today, right? Or she might be playing forward or center today. Or it might be, you know, whatever that case is. And one of the things that you can do as a practical tool is just simply say, if I will do this for sports or theater, I will do that for the church. So if, and I can just use it as an example, if, if I know, hey, uh, so-and-so is sick today, would I keep him home from being in the play today? Nope. Well, I'm probably not going to keep him home. Now, now we're not going to let your kid go into children's ministry and infect everybody in the room. But most of the time, uh, it's not that. It's so-and-so has a game. So-and-so has a this. So-and-so has a that. And the whole family, because they haven't learned how to differentiate it all, they all go one way or they all go the other way. And what I think God would want us to do is to say, uh, your first impulse is to say, okay, the first fruits of everything we do, our efforts, our thoughts, our energy— is going to go towards spiritual things. And then whatever else is going on in life can, can fall in, uh, you know, behind that. So uh, young parents particularly, there's going to be a time when they're little guys that they're going to come to you and say, and there certainly is the case when they're teenagers, so I'll get an amen here in a second. If they go, and they're not going to want to go. Okay? Now personally, in our house, you're going. It's not an option. So it's not a choice matter. You will be going. Now, but at the very least, don't let them keep you home. Because at least you have the opportunity to model for them, okay, if you're going to be weird or whatever, now I would encourage you to make them go anyway. But if you're not going to do that, don't stay home yourself. Because there's a message that goes with that. And that then goes from just being a church decision to now them manipulating you in other aspects of life and controlling what you as a parent do. Part of leadership is leading the way. So, um, I, I guess I need to kind of kind of wrap that up. But I, I will say this: this is my final appeal for those of you, particularly that have babies up here today. Okay, wouldn't it be a shame if you had parents coming up and dedicating their children to God, who have never dedicated themselves to God? So this is where I put a little a little pressure on, and it's good holy pressure. All right. Uh, the first step in parenting according to God is you giving yourself fully to God. Amen. So I'll give, you a, I'll give you an example. I'm going to brag on a, on a young couple here in our church. They're not perfect, okay? Um, I walked in on Easter Sunday, and Audrey and Matt Mutterman were waiting for me at the door, and they said, we want to get baptized. I was like, I mean, that, that makes a preacher's heart just leap out of his chest, you know, and I was already on steroids because it was Easter, you know. I mean, the Holy Spirit was grooving Not in me. I was ready to go, yeah. Um, and, 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 but they wanted to commit themselves to Christ. Okay, they dedicated their child today. Next Sunday night, I'll be baptizing them over in the Pacific Ocean, right? But that's the right order. It's, if, I'm, if I want my kid, why would I want my kid to be dedicated to Christ when I don't want to be? Does that make sense? So for some of us, the first, the first step is saying, yeah, I want to commit myself fully to Christ, which is not, by the way, I would encourage you, don't make it just an attitude or a momentary, okay, yeah, I'm going to think about God more on a weekly basis. I mean, if you haven't given your life to Christ in baptism, do it. Amen. Next Sunday at 5, I will be at Moonlight Beach in Encinitas, okay? And I will, baptize, I will stay there until every last one of us has been baptized, if that's what 
what God wants you to do. But there's no reason to sit and go, oh, I want to figure out how I can dedicate my, my child to Christ better when you're not ready to dedicate yourself. Okay? Lead the way. And if you will do that, God will be with you. The Holy Spirit will lead you. But it begins there at that moment of saying in the act of, of giving your life to Jesus in baptism. The Bible talks about it as a pledge of a good conscience toward God. That's the kind of pledge of a good conscience toward God the Bible actually asks you for. Uh, so, so do it. And you don't have to be a parent, by the way. This is just part of any human being, okay, that is ready to commit themselves fully to Christ. And if you're wondering if you're ready, it looks like this. Okay, do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and are you ready to make him Lord of your life? And if that's something you're willing to confess, and you're willing to, to do that, then you're ready. But dedicate yourself. And if you will dedicate yourself, I think you will be amazed at how that will transform your parenting. It'll transform everything in your life. Your marriage will get better. Your parenting will get better. Uh, and if it doesn't get better, it's going to be a lot more uh, anchored and rooted than it was before that moment in time happened. Um, so, again, um, parents, I beg of you, um, make sure that this thing happens in the right order. That, that I'm, I am fully, uh, and then I'm making sure that me and my spouse... We are anchored firmly in things of the faith, and then, then we together lead our children in that, in that way. But that's one of the reasons why it could be hard for you to lead your children spiritually, is if you yourself aren't committed to Christ. You know what I'm saying? So um, anything to add on that, hon? I would just say, as we kind of conclude here, that, um, that parenting, as you know, there are a lot of really joyful moments, right? There are a lot of... Um, just those moments that make your heart overflow, and there are a lot of storms. Mm -hmm. And um, we all need um, the spirit of Christ um, the <laughs> living in us actively to help us navigate this amazing and challenging and wonderful and complicated um, thing called parenting and being a family. And uh, he will. Okay, the Spirit will help you. God will help you. Um, and it doesn't mean it'll be perfect. Um, it doesn't mean you're perfect. It doesn't mean your kids are perfect. But it means that, um, that you have power um, to um, fulfill the mission that God has called you to. And look around. You've got a ton of amazing parents in this room. I mean, people who really have committed themselves fully to God. They're, they're, they're doing it. So, so like we wisdom. said, we're, oh, there's a lot of wisdom. You know, I've, I was talking to, you know, uh, uh, an older brother earlier today, and was like, you know, how long have you and your wife been married? And he's, he just sat there. He had to do serious math to get there. Uh, you know, 56 years they've been married. Okay, we're on 18, uh, about to hit 19 years, you know. And, um, you know, it's not all about length, but, but that adds some salt, you know, some seasoning to things too. And, and so you've come to a good place. If you want to learn how to, how to, how to parent, you're looking for wisdom around you. We've got great parents here, uh, some gr great marriages here. And we've got a lot of people who've, who've made plenty of mistakes in, in their life and are willing to share that with you too and say, hey, here's how God has helped me turn it around. So if, if your life isn't the way you want it today, you're, a mo you're in great company. Uh, <laughs> we, that, that's where most of us find ourselves actually this morning. It's just saying, hey, we're, we're broken vessels trying to get better. Um, so... Um, with that in mind, I want to go ahead and start turning toward the Lord's Supper this morning.
Uh, those who are going to be passing the elements, go ahead and, and take your spots, and, and the band can go ahead and come on back up. Um, and I'd like to offer a prayer for um, not just our parents, but everybody in this room, and, and thank God for what Jesus has done for us. Uh, when we take the Lord's Supper, the reason we do this every week is because that's what the early church did, and so we do it too. Um, the bread and the cup represents the body and the blood of Jesus. And so when we take it, it's a way of saying and signifying before God that uh, we are committed to Christ, uh, just as he was committed to us and gave himself for us on the cross. So my hope is that uh, as we take this, you'll do some reflection, you'll put some thought into, hey, is this my time? Is this my time to you know, give my life to, to Jesus? And if it is, uh, Kayla will, will tell you how to, how to engage that process um, in a second, okay? But I hope that something in there was beneficial to you because God has given us timeless principles in his word. Um, and one of those things that never gets old is the sacrifice that Jesus made uh, on the cross for us. So with that in mind, let's go to our Heavenly Father in prayer.